13th chapter. The book of Acts, the 13th chapter. <clears throat> now there's, uh, I've told you before, there's all kinds of ways that the Lord will give you a message. You know, it could be in something that you see or do. It could be uh, something that just comes your way. And this was one of those weeks where it just seemed like the message kept chasing me down. Everywhere I turned, there was something happening, something going on. I was in a meeting with some really intelligent people and uh, a lot smarter than I am, but there were some smart folks there and this topic come up, <clears throat> this piece of conversation come up. And then later on, uh, during the week, I was at an awards ceremony. It was a scouting thing. And, and this topic, it came up. I thought, wow, okay, that's interesting. I was driving home from that same awards ceremony. I turned my radio on. And there was a preacher preaching. He was preaching on this topic. I'm like, okay, okay. Maybe I need to pay attention. Maybe there's something going on here. Then, then yesterday, I don't, don't laugh, Jeremy. I was playing a video game. I ain't that old. Uh, and this topic came up. Now, now that I, I've spread it out now over many different parts of, in my work, my job, outside, and everything really that I have a touch and do. And then this morning, Brother Jeremy gets up and says he's going to go on a roller coaster ride. And, he, and even in what he read, he hit on this topic. So now I know you're all wondering, well, what's the topic? What are we talking about? All right, so let's read Acts chapter 13. I got a lot of scripture. I don't know if I'm going to read it all or what. I'm going to try not to bore you, but, but the Lord just wouldn't leave me alone. So I'm going to read and, and let you see if maybe you see it. But, but for those of you who are worried, I will tell you what the topic was that the Lord wouldn't just leave me alone with. And, and, and maybe it'll do you some good this morning. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now this is Saul who saw Jesus in the bright light, who got his name changed from Saul to Paul. Okay, But, but right here, it's so new, they're still calling him by his old name. And now in, in 13 or 14 in the next chapter shows the last time he's ever referenced to Saul. But at this point, it's so new. Chapter 9 of Acts is when Saul had his conversion and he was changed into Paul. So right now, they're still calling him Saul, but I want you to understand who this is. This is Paul. He's seen the light. He's seen Jesus. And, and, and here he is. He's with them. Verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now, what I want you to know right now, what's happening, is, is that Paul, I'm going to call him Paul, Paul is being sent on his first missionary journey. And now, you might have in your Bible uh, a map that might have Paul's missionary journeys, and he had two or three that he took, and he went on. This is the first one. And, and so I want you to understand this is early in his Christian life. He, he just got saved not too long ago. Now, he got saved by a miraculous way. Jesus showed up resurrected. 
to him in a way that he probably didn't do for most of us. And there's a reason for that. It's not because Saul was more important. It's not because Paul had powers or things that you don't have. Now, Paul was able to do some things, and if you read all of 13 to 14, you'll find a few of those things. He was able to make a man blind where he could not see. The reason for that was because God was going to use this man to establish the church. To the point today that we still preach on the words that God inspired him with and the actions that God inspired him to do. The day the church is still founded on that. So he, he had a, a really good start for a really good reason. Because God had a really big thing for him to do. So, so there's a reason why he is, he is who he is. There's a reason why he was set out the way he was set out. But I want you to see here God had a work for him to do. It said that they were praying and fasting. Now, we've been talking about prayer a little bit the last few weeks in church. We've been talking about the power of it and what it can do in your life. I want you to see here, when you get serious with God, He'll give you direction. He'll give you answers. Uh, we talked about, Brother Jeremy testified of it, about how we saw just yet last Sunday, standing out there in that little area, that God was answering prayers before we prayed them. Amen. We, we were saying, well, we wish these folks would come to church. They walked through the door. I mean, we're standing there. We're not just standing about this far apart. And we're talking about, and the doors open up, and they come in the doors. Now, we hadn't even prayed yet. We were going to. But God had already answered before we prayed. And then we turned, and, and, and we, you said, I believe it was, well, let's pray for Morella. She showed up Sunday night. And God had already answered the prayers. So, so when you pray and you seek out God, uh, he has the answer for you. So God had a direction for them. That ain't it. I know y'all wondering, what in the world is that topic? That, we all ain't there yet. Don't, don't jump to conclusions. Y'all eager bunch. Don't jump to conclusions. Stay with me. All right. All right. He was just doing what God said, go and do. The same thing, by the way, that he's told you and I to do. And that is what? To go out and preach the gospel. That to teach people. To show him, as he said this morning, to spread your light. You are the light of the world. Uh, and you cannot be hid if you do what God called you to do. So now look down at verse 4. Verse 4, chapter 13. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Now, I want you to see something, what happened right here. So, so they got down and they prayed. And they said, Lord, we want to do what you'd have us to do. And we know we just got saved and we're excited and we're energetic. Now, some of you started that way, but you fizzled a little longer along the way, right? And you wanted to do good for God, but somewhere along the way, you fizzled a little bit. Now, I'm just telling you, that's the way of it. Uh, Christians start off with a zeal about them, 
and they just want to tell everybody and then a little life will come along and we'll just get a little bit quieter and we'll get a little bit quieter we'll let we'll let the young folks uh do it we'll let somebody else do it we'll, we'll let the preacher do it we'll let somebody else and we just kind of wane you know so paul's not there he's He's at the beginning, and he's excited, and he says, Lord, you just tell me what to do, and that's what I'm going to do. And the Holy Ghost says, all right, you ask for it, I got a plan for you. So the first thing is, they show up at, in a place, uh, I believe it was a, a Salimus, and they begin to preach there in Salimus, and they're just preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel. Well, what is that? They're saying that Jesus comes, and Jesus loves them, and Jesus died for them, and they can be saved. There ain't nothing fancy about it. I want you to understand the most things that Paul said that we see in the scriptures is that they had an old way and it was a bad way and it was a broken. But he could tell them about the man who had the plan who yeah. could take them to heaven. That's, that's it. There's not any great words about testifying. There's not great words about witnessing that you don't already know. You ain't got to go to college. You ain't got to go to school to learn how to tell somebody about Jesus. Yeah. You know, I'm tell you, the best way to tell them about Jesus is tell them what he did for you. You tell them about what he did for you, and you'll make a difference in somebody's life. So they begin to testify. What do they testify? I bet you, I bet you just a little bit. Why? Because it happens places in the scripture more than one time. Paul said, let me tell you about when I was a bad, bad guy, and I was walking on this road, and Jesus showed up. I, he probably told them that story. So he's telling them this story, and all of a sudden, uh, there's the there's the like a governor, an important person in the land says, "Hey, I want to hear from these two guys. I want to hear what they got to say. I want to know more about this God that they're talking about." But then, now if you notice that uh, verse eight says, "But Alemus, and Alemus was a bad guy. He was just kind of a, a trickster, or whatever. He he was one who." Who, who, who didn't seek after God, and so it says he withstood them. Now, we're going to get right now down to what the topic was that just wouldn't leave me alone this week, and it's this. It's this. The church needs more perseverance. Uh, maybe a better word that we might talk about uh, is grit. You need more grit, and I need more grit. Because, see, here's what happens. He's on his first missionary mission. He's, he's going out because God says, i got to work for you today. And let me tell you this. God has got to work for you to do as well. He planted you here in this church to be fed. That's what we're here for. This morning, we want the Spirit to, to feed us. I, I, I would guess most of you in the, in the house are saved. And that you're not here to be re-saved. And you're not here uh, to, 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 to get saved again. You, you, once you got it, you got it all. You may be here to be filled up. I like the sister this morning testifying to be recharged. I like that word. That really got a hold of me. To be recharged. Why? So when we go out to where God places us, we can be alive to them. And we can be a witness. But the problem is, is the buts of life. Right? The, the, the opposition that comes our way. So here he is. In the first place he goes to, and somebody's withstanding him. They're in his way. Now, now, what does he do? Does he say, oh, oh, I better not, I better not say anything else to this man. This man was really important, and he's got these other people around him, and they really don't, they don't want me here. Maybe I should just be quiet. No, no, that's not what the scripture said. The scripture said that he, he fixed his eyes on them. Now, I want you to know something. We have a hard time doing that. When opposition comes your way, you have a hard time looking them right in the eye. Y'all ever notice that? People, they'll, they'll put that head. They don't want, we, don't, we don't want to stand 
We don't want to fight for the fight. No, we, we, the devil's got us faked into believing that we better be quiet. We've gotten so quiet, church, that our whole country's gone down the drain. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Whose fault's that? Amen. Ours. Amen. Why? Because the world's the world. The world's always been in darkness. But if the light had been there, yeah. y'all are the few that showed up today. This is a message for y'all, I guess. I don't know. We need to be greedier. We need to be more determined. And so the world that we the, the world that we live in is it's risen up against us, and we've just fled. But but Saul, who's now Paul, he sets his eyes on him. Verse nine says. And he said, oh, full of all subtlety. In other words, he said, you lying dog. That's what he's calling him. I, I just, I clarified it so y'all understand. And, and all of mischief, you're just causing trouble, you troublemaker. Thou child of the devil. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know last time I called somebody a child of the devil. How in the world did you, how in the world could he speak with such boldness? And can I tell you, we have gotten so far away from calling black, black, and white, white, and saying everything's just gray. Let me tell you, that's a lie of the devil. There is truth, and there is lies. There is a God in heaven who is righteous above all, and there is sin that is unrighteous. Black is black, and white is white. God is a God of order. Don't believe me, just take a moment and look up at night at the stars and ask yourself, how in the world does all these things stay in the place that they stay in? Because God is a God of order. There's a reason that we're rotating around the sun the way we're rotating around the sun. There's a reason that the cells inside your body function the way that they function. There's a reason that those little tiny atoms that they tell me are there, but I can't see, that that little electron's just zooming around it, and it helps everything stick together as well. Because God is a God of order. And so he's created all these things, and it's okay for us as Christians to stand against what's wrong and say, that's wrong, because the Word teaches me so. And we can stand for what's truth. But the problem is, is when opposition comes, we retreat. We back off instead of standing for what's true and what's right. We need to have more grit. God needs some gritty Christians. Don't you think about that? Now, I don't know about you, if, if I meet something that's supposed to be s smooth or, 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 you ever have something that, you, even though it may be something sweet like a dessert, but maybe you put a little salt in it to cause a little contrast in those flavors, and you're eating maybe a, a, a sugar cookie or something that's supposed to be sweet, but you bite down on a, just a small little crystal of salt that didn't get absorbed in it, it's like, oh, what, what was that? Right? God looks for Christians who are willing to stand with grit against the old devil in the darkness of this world. Let's go further in Paul's journey. I want you to see, there's a lot of scripture here. I don't know how much of it I can read, but I'd love for you to go back and read 13 and 14 and look and see what happened every single time. Look right here. So he tells him, you're just... You're just, uh, you're just trying to pervert the ways of the Lord. That's what he tells that guy. Look at verse 13. Skip a little further. We're still in chapter 13. Now we're at verse 13. It says, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia, 
and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So now they, they left that place, they preached the word there, they withstood opposition, now they're in Antioch. What are they going to do in Antioch? They're going to preach the word. Why? Because that's what God called them to do. Everywhere they go, they talk about Jesus. Everywhere they go. They can't help it. I just got to tell you about Jesus because he's been so good to me. He, he took me from this old sinner who was killing people to somebody now that wants to see people saved. Now that's a story right there. and He can't help but tell it. So here he is now. And he's in a place called Antioch. Verse 15 says, And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. So they bred the word of God. And they say, Anybody got a word of testimony? Paul says, I got a word. Can I speak a moment? And so he gets up. And from verse 17 uh, all the way through 40-something, he preaches to them a little bit. What's he preached to them about? How they had a way. A way called the law. And the law failed them. And then a man called Jesus came along. You know what? He's preaching Jesus. That's all he does. He preaches Jesus everywhere he goes. Look at verse 38. We're going to skip a little further. Be unto, be known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believed are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wander, and perish. For I work in your days a work that ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath they came. Now y'all got the picture, right? So Sunday he preaches. And he preaches a good message. Better than any I preach to. He preaches a good message. He sets them people on fire. They said, we won't hear more of that next Sunday. You be ready. You're going to preach next Sunday. Okay? That's, that's the kind of thing that's happening. But they leave the building and people follow them. Say, talk to us some more about that. That was good stuff. I want to hear more of that. Right? He's sharing the word of God. He's on his missionary journey doing what God come to. People are believing. And people are hearing his words. He shows up the next Sunday. Verse 44. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. The whole city showed up. That's pretty powerful. Things are going really good. He's out sharing the word of God. What's about to happen? What's about to happen every time that you do what God says to do? What's ha what happens when you become obedient? Well, you get blessed, but something else happens. That butt shows up. Why? Because the devil don't like it. The devil wants to stop what you're doing. The devil wants to get right in the middle of your life. And so the opposition shows up. So, so verse 45, But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Uh-oh. And spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Uh-oh. There's opposition come up in your life. Uh-oh, that that you said, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to be on this youth team. I'm going to start this mission in the church. We're going to do this. We're going to pray for these people. We're going. To, can I tell you something? We start praying for people. You know what the devil's going to do? Uh-oh, but the opposition will show up in your life. 
Be careful. Be careful. Does that mean you should quit? No, God wants greedy Christians. God don't want you to give up. God don't want you to throw in the towel. So what happened? Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. Did they give up? No. They said, all right, here's the fight. That's what we've been waiting on. Can I ask you, is that the, is that the attitude that you take when the devil shows up? I've been waiting for you, devil. <laughs> Think about it now. Yeah. I knew you was coming because I've been standing for the Lord. I knew you was going to be here. I've just been waiting. But I'm ready for you. It says, and they waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you, judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. They said, listen, God had this all planned out from the beginning. You're not going to slow me down from what I got to preach to you because God said it's the word, not me. And he says this was his plan, not my plan. And he didn't stop when the opposition came. Well, you would have think, man, that, that, everything been good then, right? Look at verse 50. Skip down. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. Now, that don't sound like a nice, we'll see you later. Come on back sometime. That didn't sound like that to me. It said they expelled them. They said, don't come back. We don't want you anymore around here. Might have kicked them out. Might have put them on the boat, tied them up, and said, don't bring them back here. They expelled them from their coast. Look at the rest of that. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. Listen to this. And the disciples were filled with joy. They just got kicked out of a town. They got booted out of a town. When's the last time you've been run out of town? Never. Maybe, probably not. And they're filled with joy. That didn't make no sense. Except it makes perfect sense because they know that they're there to serve God and not man. Here's a real reason, church, that we have so many problems. It's because we put more stake in what man has to say than in what God has to say. And so when the opposition comes, we're listening to them and not to what God has to say. And so they were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now look at Acts chapter 14. I don't know how many chapters we're going to preach, but there's Acts chapter 14. Let's go there. Acts chapter 14, they're still on this missionary mission. God's still sending them, sending them out. I bet everything's going to get better, right? It's just going to be easy sailing now. They've had a couple of things come up. Not too bad. They got, they got some, you know, they got talked too badly and soothsayer guy, whatever, he, he was standing against them. They got threw out of the town. Everything now probably be better off, right? Isn't that what we want in our Christian life, right? Don't we think, well, I run through some rough spots, but from now on it's going to be smooth sailing. And then when it's not, what does the Christian do? Well, he gives up, quits going to church, and throws his hands in the air. Amen? Because we don't have any grit. And we're worried about what man has to say more than what God has to say. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Let's look a little further. Let's see what happens in chapter 14. I'm trying to hurry. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also the Greeks, believed. Hey, man, people got saved. People got saved. When it says they believe, they're believing on the Word of God, on His true salvation. People are getting saved because they're doing what God said do. Uh-oh, uh-oh, verse 2. But 
the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. I want you to hear that. Y'all, you know, that, that one went, went right by. Listen to this one more time. He said that they went and they preached in the synagogue. Jews and Gentiles were saved. But then this group over here said, we don't like this. Let's start talking bad things. And let's try to, let's try to dis, uh, discount all that they're saying. And verse 3 then says, did they run away? Did they say, oh no, it happened again. We might as well just move on. Verse 3 says, long time therefore abode they. You know what they said? They said, oh, here's the devil again. I've been waiting on him. This time I'm going to dig my heels in. I'm going to stay right here and preach longer because the opposition is so great. When is the last time you said, I'm going to dig in greater <coughs> because they tried to rub me off? It's something about Paul that's different. Something in that light he must have seen that just did something different. No, what he got is the same thing. That you got. If I, we want to talk about Jesus a little bit. Everybody here's got something they want to share and tell. Amen. He's good. I appreciate those testimonies. Amen. He's good. We know he's good. Why won't we stand for him? Why won't we persevere when it gets hard? Why won't we stay on when it gets a little bit? Well, he's worth it, isn't he? He's proven himself to us over and over again, hasn't he? Why is it that we won't stay? At what point would you have given up if you were him? At what point would you have thrown in the towel and said, I'm done with that? When, when the old soothsayer guy shows up, the evil magician or whatever he was? Or maybe when they threw you out of town, would you have th said, that, that's it? Or maybe when they got a whole crowd together and they begin to blaspheme. Y'all know what that says. They talk badly about their character. They begin to say things about them that was not true. And can I tell you, you can't argue with the truth, by the way. You want to get an argument with somebody and you begin to defend the Bible and the words of the truth. When they can't break down the truth, you know who they're going to break down? You. Well, your character, and I know you used to be this way, and I know you've done that. And I know you've talked bad about me, but they'll break you down. Yeah. And it says they stood longer. They dug their heels in and said, oh, <laughs> it looks like a fight here. This is where we need to be at. What would the church look like? What would Christians look like today if we would just say, I'm going to dig in on the Word of God and stand for it no matter what the world says? Be a different church. Yeah. We'd be different. So they preach in Iconium, and the city is divided. And they receive assault, both of Gentiles and Jews. And they come up with a plan, verse 5, to stone them. And so they're aware of the plot to stone them, so they move out to another city. Verse 19, now they've moved out into Laconia and the region around about. They're preaching the word of God and people are hearing it and people are being moved in Lystra 
a young, uh, I believe uh, that there's a, a man who is impotent in his feet. He's been that way since he was born. He is healed, and the people think that they're the God, the Greek gods or whatever. And then verse 19 comes. Verse 19, chapter 14. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. I want you to hear that. Antioch and Iconium. Why are those two important? Because that's where they've been. Antioch was the second stop on the journey. Iconium was the first stop at the beginning of chapter 14. It's who they've already been to. You remember the people that were mad at them back there? You know, the first time they got thrown out of the city? Those people. The second time they got run off and those people wanted to stone him. They're now out here preaching the gospel and they followed them. I want you to know the opposition is great. The opposition is great. The devil is very conniving in his ways. And his lies are very subtle and moving. They are. That's why it's really important to know what Paul said to the very first guy we read about in chapter 13. He recognized the devil when it was the devil. And if you're not close to God, let me just tell you right now, you may have a hard time recognizing when the devil is showed up in your way. And so they followed them out in verse 19. They come out to where they were at. They just ain't in their own cities. Now they're out there where they're at. And it says, and, and there certain came thither, certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, that, that ain't saying they were going to, they did, yeah. having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. This is his first missionary mission. Are y'all with me? What does that mean? That means we know he had others. Two, three, others. What are you saying? I'm saying, have you ever been stoned for your faith? The answer is no, none of us have been stoned for our faith. And by stoning, that don't mean somebody threw a rock at you. That's not what stoning is. A stoning is is when they take a large rock as big as they could pick up about the size of a man's chest is how it's described in history. And they would take that rock and either cast the person down into a pit or take the rock as they're huddled on the ground and they would crush them with that rock repeatedly until that person died. Only then would they bury them with smaller stones knowing that they were already dead. You understand what I'm saying? Stoning is not throwing rocks at somebody. Its intent is to crush until they die. I think now, right, right now is probably the right time to quit. Right? I mean, people talk bad about you. People withstood him. People threw him out of their city. People uh, made all kinds of railings and accusations against his character. People come up with a plot to stone him, and he had to escape them. And now they have stoned him. Verse 20. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up. Where did he go? He went back home. Right? That's what you'd done. That's what I'd done. I went back home. Enough of this. 
I'm done with this. These people are crazy. I'm trying to tell them good stuff, and they don't want to hear it. I've been trying on Facebook to share the gospel with them, and they don't want to hear it. I'm just done with it. I ain't going to do no more. I've, I've asked them to come to church. I'm just done with them. I ain't, I'm not asking them again. That's what he did, right? He went back home. But could, we, we do understand, right? He's drug out of the city because they think he's dead. Y'all know what kind of shape he's in, right? The disciples are standing around him. What are we going to do? They've killed him. He gets up. He rose up and he came back into the city. They just drug him from there after stoning him. He walks back in. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derb. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, let's just stop right there. Y'all got the point? I believe Paul's got grit. I believe he's determined. I'm not going to quit. I believe he said that it doesn't matter what they do to me. I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, when I thought about those names this week, and I'm going to tell you, I, I didn't think about just the four we put on paper, because other people have said to me, I want you to pray for this, would you pray for that? I, I, I can't tell you that I prayed for everything you asked me to pray for. I hope that I always do, but I know that I don't. But I know God knows more than I do. But those that he brought to my remembrance, I tried desperately to pray for over and over and over again. And this is the thought. I want to, this is what I want you to get, church. We need to have a great determination that we're not taking no for an answer. That both, A, God will hear us. And two, we will do what he asks us to do. Even when the devil throws a wall in front of us. There are many places in the scripture, and I'm not, I'm not going to read any more to you. you. You don't have to take my, you can Google it. How many places in the scripture does God talk about what it means to stand? As a matter of fact, we really only have one option to stand. And that's until he returns. There's no retirement. There's no, I've done my part. We're to stand. And church, and until we're, we're of a single mind that we're going to stand on the word of God and do what it says, the world will push us around. And that's both really small on a little scale here at Mount Moran. And that's really big in this world that we're living in. We got to stand. We have to be determined that we're not going to give up. You listen, there are people around us. We've heard the prayer request. They're going to die and go to hell unless somebody is willing to go to the cross and say, Lord, I'm not going to let them go. I'm not going to let them go. I'm going to be determined. Paul went on to preach and preach and preach. Listen, this is just the beginning of his troubles. You, you, you ain't never seen anything like it. He's been shipwrecked. He's been bitten by a snake for doing what God told him to do. He, he, he was taken in prison 
over and over again. Listen, God just wants you to stand. You don't have to rely on your strength. Can I tell you this? There's no reason he should have got up. There's no reason he should have got up. There's, there's no reason that dropping that rock repeatedly on him should not have killed him, except for one thing. God is in control. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It matters greatly to you, it seems, but God is still in control. It doesn't matter how big the rock is or how bad the crowd is or how awful are their words. God is still in control. He's just looking for somebody who's willing to stand. He's looking for somebody who's willing and determined not to give up. So I ask you this morning, church, are you determined? Are you determined to do what God have you to do? Are you determined to stay on that path? Are you determined to stay in his will? I can tell you, he's determined to walk with you. You remember the garden scene right before he goes to the cross? He's there praying in the garden. The disciples went with him. He told them, y'all stay there. The couple went a little bit closer where he's at. He said, y'all stay there. They all fell asleep. And he's there praying in the garden. Y'all know that scene in the Bible. It's, it's well described for us. And in his prayer, when he's talking with the Father, when he's talking to God, he says, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Y'all understand that, right? He was truly a man about to endure the worst thing a man could possibly go through. Nobody's ever been ridiculed. Nobody's ever had the stripes laid on, on their backs like was laid on his. Nobody, nobody has ever withstood a wall like he withstood that day. But he said, but if not, you know what that is? That's determination. That's grit. That's perseverance. That's I'm not getting. That Christ himself showed us that we're not to give up. So you may feel like, I, I'm just done. I'm at the end of me. I got to throw in the towel. Can I tell you, you're not done. And God's not done. Because if he's done, you wouldn't be here. He calls you on home. God has a plan for us. We just need to be determined and just keep on going and just keep on going. Brother Jeremy set us up this morning. He, he, he talked about our lights. Let me just say, that little, that little song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. Can, can you just say, isn't that determination right there? I'm gonna hide it under a bushel. No, I ain't gonna do that. I'm gonna let it shine. I'm gonna let it shine. Are you determined this morning? Are you determined this morning? I want you to just think about it. Are, are you determined that what God's called you to do, you're going to see it through to the end? I told you this topic come up over and over and over again. All throughout my week. From whether it's children overcoming in the classroom so that they can achieve. The best predictor of their ability to achieve is their determination. It's not how smart they are. It's not whether mom and daddy's rich or poor. It's not any other factor. The number one factor over and over again is 
Are they determined? Study done by uh, really, really, really intelligent people about uh, spelling bee uh, participants, kids who participate in the spelling bee, and the children who answered over and over again, I am determined in the long term. It doesn't matter if I win this year or not. I'm determined. That was the greatest determining factor, whether or not they would stay in, in the championship longer and whether or not they'd ultimately become a winner. In every part of life, that kept coming up. When I looked it up, and I just, this stuff is just, probably most of you don't care anything about. But in every aspect of life, whether somebody was willing to continue on or not was the greatest determining factor whether or not they'd be successful. Just is. Now, if you take that, that's man's knowledge, and put God into it, what are you likely to get? Just say it. You take that, put God's power into it, well, you're likely to get a man who should have been dead, raised up and said, I got more I got to do. And that could be you. It is you. And it is me. We need to be determined. Christ was determined for our case. We need to be determined for his. And for those others that are depending on us. If Paul and Barnabas had not gone into those places, what would have happened to those people? What happened to all those that got saved? Where would they be at? Who's counting on you today? Who's counting on you today? Somebody is. Somebody is. God's got you knit closely. He's got you in the right place at the right time. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Can I... Just, just don't give up. When they say bad things about you, no, that's because they can't break the word down, so they're attacking you. It's an easier, it's just an easier thing for them to do. Can I tell you, get thick skin and don't give up. Go back to them again. I, well, you've been asking me to come to church for six years. That's okay. Don't give up. Don't give up. Church, we're throwing time here. Can I tell you, there are churches our size and smaller. They're just dwindling away into nothing. People, what is it? We're just going to close the doors. Don't give up. God's bigger than that. He's bigger than us. You say, I don't know how they're going to continue on. These have been doing the work. They're going, they're going to go on. They're going to move on. Don't give up. God's got a plan. He's got somebody. It's probably you. It's probably me. Don't give up, church. Don't give up. Stand with us all in the house. I want to come give a verse of song. Maybe, maybe you felt like giving up. Maybe you felt like just throwing in the towel. Can I tell you, God wants to renew your strength.